reading from the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the 33rd verse. Jesus is speaking. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is not Jesus' most popular parable. We don't quote it in everyday life like the Good Samaritan. We don't name laws after it. We could have laws about the wicked tenants, though, couldn't we, these days? We name laws after the Good Samaritan parable and the ones that are warm and fuzzy, but this one isn't warm and fuzzy. It is a dire warning about the consequences of rejecting Jesus and Jesus' call to life. That's what it is. Because Jesus is another voice, another in the long line of voices that God has sent to humanity to say enough is enough including the prophet Isaiah, who in the fifth chapter of his book wrote about his Lord planting a vineyard and how he had done all these things and all he wanted was fruit from the vineyard. But when he returned for fruit, all he found was bloodshed. And it was Isaiah's warning to the people that they were going to be carted off into exile because of their lack of obedience 
This is what he said, Isaiah 5, 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed. Righteousness, but heard a cry. Another of the prophets told us that all our rule-keeping and all our fanciness and all our obsession with one kind of righteousness is meaningless if widows and orphans suffer in our midst. And over and over the prophets came and called on the people of God to lift up others instead of themselves. But they wouldn't hear. And according to Jesus, they beat them and killed them. But in these last days, the writer of Hebrews says, He has spoken to us by a son. And so Jesus' parable isn't just out there in the supposed land. It's in the real land because He is the Son who's come to speak at last. To say, what are you doing with my vineyard? Where are my fruits? And what did they do but gather him up and nail him to a tree? Because his call to love and his call to justice was offensive. And these days we have our sense of justice all wrong. We think that justice means to punish someone. To put someone to the same end as someone else was put to. But God's justice is restorative. And we look and say, well, this person doesn't look oppressed to me. How do we know? Are we that person? I'm sure the people of Jesus' day said, but Jesus, those people don't look oppressed to us. The widows will be fine. The orphans will be fine. We'll always have the poor with us. Jesus, you said it yourself. And all around us, we see the fruit of that kind of thinking. Jesus and me thinking. That Jesus is all about me, the interior of me, my sin, my life, my eternal life, my gift of heaven, my this, my that. But we're a vineyard planted by God for God. We're a people, not persons. Individual little things outliving our own lives. We're made one at the table. Don't we say that every time we come? Did Jesus not pray that we would all be one? And yet, we subsist and exist as if somehow everything that happens in the world only happens to us and only matters for us. And my personal liberties matter more than anything else. But guess what? They don't. Jesus was a threat to that for these people who heard this parable and said, He's speaking about us. And what did they end up doing? Getting Him put to death. Exactly what Jesus said would happen. All because the Son came looking for fruitfulness. All my life I've heard people say that this is a Christian nation, but you know what? I'm now convinced that it's not. Where is the fruit? All I see is a fruit of violence, hatred, discord, and hurt. We're being taught not to trust anyone and we're going right along with it. Building gates around our houses, locking our doors. I can remember when we sat on the porch on Sunday afternoon waiting for somebody to come visit us. Now we're terrified we might have to talk to a neighbor. 
And all around us, the fruit that's piling up is violence. And more violence. And violence on top of violence. We train our kids for violence. We let them play violent video games. We teach them that violence is the solution to their problems. Just kick his butt next time he does it. And we're surprised when violence continues. We spend billions and billions of dollars on movies that preach to us that shooting somebody is the solution to our problems. If only it were so. What does it gain us? All around us, violence is perpetuated. And what we can see in this parable is that it's not new. It is the human condition of a broken and sinful and evil human heart that says... He will put those miserable wretches to death. What if God's intent is to come and see those tenants repent and to turn to God and have life? Isn't what what Jesus offers us? Are we not those tenants? Have we not been placed in control of our own vineyard, our heart, our family, our life? Have we not not produced the fruits that He called? Do we want to be judged the way that these people say God will judge those tenants over our own lives? Do we not say that God is gracious and merciful? That God is a God of second chances? That God is a God of restorative and loving justice and mercy? Why then? Why then are we so enamored like these people with the spirit and specter of death? The solution I heard in the diner Monday at lunch was they should peel his skin off. They should shoot him. Before we knew he was dead. Sad. It seems our only recourse is to turn to more violence. Round everybody up that thinks that way, we say. Put them all in jail. What in the world are we to do? Is there no end to it? The vineyard is not ours. It belongs to God. The fruit that God is coming looking for, the fruit that God sent His Son to look for, is not some personal holiness. It's not, I'm doing right and they're not. It's faith. How do I know that? In Luke 18.8, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? And for me, that statement unlocks the parables in a different way. If I read this and get excited, yeah, that's right, eventually God will punish all the wicked people. Am I really reading the heart of God in that? What does God want from us in the face of such tragedy? What does God want from us? Just to pray for people? Or or should we have enough faith to do something about it? Should we have enough faith to put ourselves out there and say, this isn't right, and the policies and things that make this possible are not right? I still don't understand the mindset of a company that can produce something that can cause a weapon that conforms to the law to suddenly function as an automatic weapon and they say it's our right to produce it? Under what strain of sense can you make that okay? So that we can hurt as many people as possible in as short a time as possible. Does that fit your understanding of Christ and Christ's kingdom?
It doesn't fit mine. And I'm sick of it. It breaks my heart for my nation. It breaks my heart for my neighbors. The fear that I see in people's faces in public places strangles me. And this is why the landowner's son came. Where's the fruit? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Just before Jesus has this conversation with the scribes and the Pharisees, he's walking into Jerusalem to go to the temple, and there's a fig tree in his path. Any of y'all ever had a fig? You ever had a fig that was good? Right? The fig that's not too mushy, not too hard. and It's like you've got to get it within 30 seconds of that joker getting ripe, or you're never going to eat it again, right? But if you get one that just got ripe, it is the best tasting thing there is on this earth. And that's why the fig has been synonymous with the, the, the best fruit there is. The best that God's creation has to offer is a perfectly sweet, ripe fig taken right off a tree that's non-GMO with no pesticides, right? Take it off and eat it in the yard. And God, Jesus walks by that tree and there's no fruit on it, even though it's not the season for fruit, and he curses it and it withers. And the question that Isaiah had for the people in a way is, where's the fruit? Where's the fig? Where's all the goodness that God created the world to have in it? Why are we not chasing after that first? Why are we not chasing after the goodness that God created for the world to be filled with first? Where's the fruit? That's what the landowner's son comes to the vineyard to ask for. And their solution is not to hand over the fruit, but to kill him. Which certainly is not the fruit. And while I find the parable utterly confusing and sometimes just strange, it asks the right question. Where's the fig in David's life? Am I hoarding it for myself or am I willing it to give it to the one to whom it belongs? Is there faith in me? Is there hope in me? Is there righteousness in me? Is there love in me? Is there joy in me? Is there peace in me? And if there is, it's because he's growing it to me. And how dare I keep it to myself? And at a time like we're struggling in now, where violence seems to be the rule of the day and everybody's solution to every problem, because, you know, after all, we ought to just bomb North Korea into oblivion. Well, what are we going to do with the next despot that rises? Blow them into Bolivian too? You know, eventually we can't live on a world that we drop so many nuclear bombs on. Everybody's aware of that, right? We bomb them into Bolivian. Eventually the radiation gets blown across the ocean to us. There's another way, God says. And how did God say that? By taking the capstone that the builders rejected by taking love and joy and peace as the way of life, by taking Christ as the way of life that was rejected and making Him the capstone of life, the very foundation of life. 
The stone the builders rejected, Jesus said, has become the cornerstone, the capstone, the most important stone in the building. He quotes from Psalm 118. That's the same thing that the people quoted when Jesus came into Jerusalem when they said, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's the one we quote when we say, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That verse comes right after the verses that Jesus quoted. And we're glad in the day that God has made because of the capstone, because of Jesus being raised to his rightful place. Because in violence, the world reacted to his call for us to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. In violence, humanity reacted to that message and killed him for it. And instead of wiping us out like we deserved, God raised him and sent him to us again in the church. And sent God's Spirit in the world to equip us to share that same message that there's a different way than violence. There's a different way than the endless killing and endless suffering. There's a different way. And so God raised Jesus from the dead to show us that that way is love. But if you're going to undertake it, you better know this. It's more risky than violence. That's what Jesus calls us to. A risky way of life that stands up in the midst of violence and says enough. This is not the fruit we are called to produce. The only way the church can stand and do that is when we have in ourselves the fruit of faith. If we trust Christ, that the violence of the cross, that the violence of 30-some-odd weapons out of a hotel window in Las Vegas doesn't have the final say. But I'm nearly convinced that if we just say we'll pray for them, we're missing the point of being who we are. We must also stand up for them. And that's what it looks like to live in the fruitfulness of faith in Christ. You have neighbors. You have co-workers. You have friends. Be a voice for God's justice in the world. For love in the world. You are the people of the Son. You have in your heart a different song. That love will overcome the violence of this world. Specifically God's love. And when you leave here today, you are called to be that message to everyone you encounter. And so am I. The question that this parable puts before us 
is will we reject that in favor of our hardness of heart? In favor of being who we want to be and being in control of our lives like the scribes and the Pharisees are doing? Will we reject Jesus and His way? Or will we respect the landowner's son and give him his just due? That's what the parable asks us. How will we respond? I ask that question, dear ones, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And pray that God will uphold us this week so that we can be his witnesses that there is a different way. We stand and sing and respond 97.